You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning. Great to see you all this morning. Happy Palm Sunday. We get to celebrate Holy Week starting today with, uh, with another. And I'm just so grateful that we get to worship inside this year for Easter. It was great being outside, but I'm so grateful to be inside. Can't wait for Easter. Are you one of those can't wait people like me? Like you remember when you were younger? This is how I was. I don't know if this is the way you were, but I couldn't wait to turn 15 and a half so I could take driver's ed and learn how to drive. Just couldn't wait to get in a car. I, I do not understand the generation now that can wait and not drive for a period of time. I just don't get it because I couldn't wait to get in the car. I couldn't wait to turn 18 so I could move out of the house and have my own rules. And then I turned 18 and I was still in the house. I couldn't wait to graduate high school. And then when I graduated high school, I couldn't wait to graduate college. Anybody with me? I couldn't wait to meet somebody that I could love for the rest of my life. More importantly, that they could love me for the rest of my life. Couldn't wait to get married. Then I couldn't wait to have kids. And as soon as I had kids, I couldn't wait for the kids to graduate. You know what I'm talking about. Couldn't wait for Easter this year. Couldn't wait to celebrate the resurrection with you. You know what to do to prepare when you go to the store to get prepared for Easter? Are you guys aware of this? How do you prepare for Easter? You go through the express lane. Oh, you weren't ready for that one. You know how I've been working out so I can prepare for all the sugar coming up on Easter? I've been going to exercise. Can't wait. I know, I'm really on a roll today, aren't I? Amy said I'm on an egg roll. Never mind. Sorry. We live in a society that just can't wait for anything. We can't wait for our breakfast, so we go through the drive-thru. We can't wait uh, to talk to somebody, so we, get, we start texting. We can't wait for things to happen, so we go into debt to make them happen. We can't wait. And today we're going to see that Jesus wants to bring us to a crossroads, all of us, to a crossroads, where instead of rushing to get what we want, he has chosen to wait and then to give up everything of himself to get what we need. Today, we're gonna look at the last week of Jesus' life. The way that Luke was written, and I've told you this before, Luke starts by writing about the miracles of Jesus and the works of Jesus, and then he moves into the middle of his gospel and starts talking about the teaching of Jesus. We've been there for several weeks. And today and throughout this week, we're covering the mission of Jesus. And it started... On Palm Sunday, there's four events that describe the last week of Jesus' life. All four of them have significance. I'm only going to talk about one of them today, but the first one was Palm Sunday, where Jesus strolls into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. They expected him on a horse as a military leader, but he shows up on the colt of a donkey, a baby donkey, to demonstrate his humility as the Messiah. They cried out. You remember the word? They cried out. Everybody try that word? That was crying out for Messiah to come and rescue us. And Jesus said, I am the Messiah, but that's, I'm not rescuing you with a military force. I'm rescuing you with a sacrifice. 
And then they get to the event of the year for all Jewish people in the nation that's been practiced for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Passover. And that's what we're going to cover in Luke chapter 22 today. That event, that singular event, Jesus converts from celebrating the Passover to becoming the Passover. His sacrifice will become your Passover and mine. And then that leads to the crucifixion and his death, which we'll remember on Good Friday. And then next Sunday, the fourth event, the resurrection. That is the reason we worship and the reason we have hope. Today we look at the Passover. It's an interesting moment in history that's far more significant than just a holiday, far more significant than just a couple of emblems that we talk about on a Sunday. This significant event was the crossroads of history that changed the course of mankind. And Jesus makes clear what he's doing that day. And it's described for us in Luke chapter 22, starting at verse seven. Follow along with me and see this crossroad this road that he is using in our lives. Here's how it begins. Then came that day, the day of unleavened bread on the, where the Passover lamb, this lamb they've been preparing every year to sacrifice was going to be sacrificed for the meal. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. By the way, that's just like that's just like you guys telling your kids, oh, by the way, it's Thanksgiving today. Go and make preparations for the Thanksgiving meal. Whoa, where's the turkey? Where's the mashed potatoes and eggs? Where's, where's all this? We should have done this long before today. Why are you sending us to do it today? And the, of course, that's what Peter and John are asking. Well, where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna go to prepare for it? And Jesus says, as you enter the city, as you enter the city, you see a man carrying a jar of water who will meet you. By the way, pause there. You don't see men carrying jars of water in Jerusalem. You see women doing that job. Seeing a man would have been an instant sign that this is very unusual. When you follow that man to the house, he enters, say to the owners of the house, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. And guess what? They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. I want you to see in the text before we even get to the story of this significant event, I want you to see that Jesus had it all prepared, that there was preparation involved in preparing for a Passover. Now that just makes sense to all of us. When we prepare for a meal, there's a lot of work involved. Can I get an amen from some of you? If you're preparing for a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas celebration or even an Easter holiday or a birthday or an event in your family, there's preparation. Last week, we did these around the tables at several host homes. It was fabulous. If you missed out on it, we're gonna do that again. I encourage you to go to it sometime. It's kind of like a little bit of a Passover meal where people gathered for a significant reason to celebrate what God's doing in their life and get to know each other. And so we gathered in the homes. Diana was, we were one of the host homes, so Diana was preparing. She was preparing pulled pork. Oh, it smelled so good in the house. And she was doing some other preparations and everybody that was coming over was bringing something. And of course, I had to do my preparations too. I had to sit there on the couch and make sure the house looked good. No, that's not true. 
my job was something that involved this motion. Cleaning the house, preparing the house, setting up the tables and chairs for the guests that were coming, making sure we had connected. Uh, Diane and I both did this, inviting people that were supposed to come to our house to share the meal. There was a lot of preparation for a simple meal. I even went above and beyond that. I know this doesn't matter to you, but I, I decided let's make it a luau. So we bought some decorations and put them out there. I looked up some Spotify uh, Hawaiian music just because we were just in Hawaii. It was a lot of fun. We had this luau. It made me feel like I was in Maui for just two seconds. And then we just went on with that. Preparation. How much more? How much more prepared would Jesus want this Passover? It's being prepared for us for thousands of years since the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. This Passover was being prepared. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he sent them with all of the event prepared in advance for what they were going to celebrate. You know what's so fascinating? Can I just pause there for a second? All of the preparation that goes into that. How much have we prepared for that event today? How much did you wake up this morning and say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate the Passover, the, the com common union, the Lord's Supper. I need to go to church prepared. No, that's not how we think, is it? You know how we prepare on Sunday morning? Okay, church, 11 o'clock. That means we'll be out about 1110 11.20 if Scott goes way too long, something like that. And then we got lunch and, then, and we start thinking about our schedule for the rest of the day. Do you realize, listen carefully, do you realize the most important thing you'll do all week is what you're gonna celebrate here in just a few minutes. Remembering the sacrifice that was prepared for you for hundreds, thousands of years so that we could be forgiven. This event was prepared for you. We need to prepare. By the way, that's why Paul says in the Corinthian church, hey, examine yourselves before you do this. You, you shouldn't come into this without preparation. And oh, by the way, if you're watching at home or if you guys have watched from home, you need to prepare your home for this. This needs to be a holy moment wherever you're at. Set up your environment and prepare your heart. Prepare your mind for the moment you're just about to receive. They prepared for the Passover. Then look what happens next. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Now, we don't recline at tables like they did. Just Sidebar, cultural, little piece of information. They didn't have chairs. They had a low table about a foot off the ground, maybe a foot and a half. And they would lay down on the ground and then the servants would feed them and they would be able to relax. I don't know about you, but if I were doing that, I'd be falling asleep at the table. They had been preparing for this moment. Then they all sat around the table. And then Jesus says, I have eagerly desired for this day. I've eagerly desired to celebrate this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. We'll reference that in a minute. And then after taking the cup, there's a whole series of things that they do in this Passover meal. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I won't drink of this again until I drink it with you anew in the kingdom of God. When the fruit of the vine, I won't drink it until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus is not only preparing for the Passover, but he desires to celebrate it with them. Now, think about this for a second. Everybody that goes to a Passover meal, everybody that celebrates a Thanksgiving meal, it's a great party, it's a great celebration. We all are blessed at a meal like that. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Everybody loves those kinds of events except for the lamb. Except for, in our case with Thanksgiving, the turkey. Everybody loves breakfast except for the pig and the chicken. I mean, think about it. Jesus being the lamb, it doesn't even make sense. Why would he be excited about celebrating the Passover that he knows hours later he's going to surrender his life for? Here's why. Because this Passover is different. It's been celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years prior, and they have this whole routine, this whole regiment. Ever since that night of Exodus, back in the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were called out of Egypt and got to start their path to the promised land, they've been celebrating this every single year from then on. And they have a whole regiment to the meal and all these symbolic things that they celebrate. Jesus says, I couldn't wait to celebrate this one because it's going to change everything. Everything that we used to celebrate before is going to be radically changed from now on. It's going to be new. What's going to be new, Jesus? Well, here's what's going to be new. Number one, I'm going to create a new covenant. He even says this in the book of John later, a new covenant I make with you. The old covenant was all about law and performance and rules, and you had to obey the Ten Commandments and all the rules in order to be perfect enough to be accepted in heaven. Now that's all gonna be solved and done for. I'm gonna complete that duty. Now, here's the new rule. Love everybody else the way I've loved you. Here's the new command I give you, this new covenant. I'm gonna give you forgiveness and then you turn around and give it to everybody else. I'm gonna give you grace and then you turn around and give it to everybody else. This is how you'll show me your love by the way you love everyone else. New covenant in place, new relationship. You won't have to go to the priest anymore. You won't have to go to a person anymore to get absolution from your sin. That's all gonna be covered by me in just a few hours. What now will happen is I will be your intermediary. I will be the one that speaks on your behalf. You won't have to go somewhere and make a lamb sacrifice and do all these routines and rituals in order to be receiving forgiveness. I'll intervene for you. All you have to do is have me. New relationship. And then he says, I'm gonna give a new rule. No longer 10 commandments, but one commandment. No longer about works that you do to earn. It's about the grace that you've already received. New rule, new covenant with you. And then a new mark. 
Remember in the Old Testament, the mark that identified an Israelite? It was a male mark. It's called circumcision. That's how they identified who the Israelites were, was this physical mark on a male's body. He says, we're not doing that one anymore. We've got a new mark for you. This Passover is going to change everything. And guess what? Men and women can receive this mark. It's the mark of the Holy Spirit on your life that you receive when you give your life to me. You have a new mark that stays with you forever. I'm giving you my spirit. And then finally, a new kingdom. This kingdom isn't just for one nation. This kingdom isn't located in just one part of the world. This kingdom isn't even bound to one generation. This kingdom is not even blocked off to just one gender. This kingdom is for all peoples, all nations, for all time. Can I get a hallelujah on that? Isn't that great? The reason we're in the kingdom today is because he included it from this moment in the Passover. It's all new. That's why Jesus says, man, I can't wait for this day. I'm so excited about doing it with you because everything from this point forward is going to be new. Do you realize every time you celebrate communion, you're celebrating new? Isn't it amazing how you can come into a service and arguing with your spouse, dealing with struggles with your kids, pain and anger at work, challenges around your community, and you come to this moment. And then something breathes life into you. When Diane and I would worship, there would be times where we'd come in and, you know, we, there was gap between us and the pew. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then you experience the forgiveness of Jesus at communion, and all of a sudden, there's grace again. Of course, now she sits in the back, so maybe she's trying to create more gap. I don't know. <laughs> Listen carefully. Jesus was eager to do that Passover because he was eager for the change to happen. All new. The old is gone. The new is here. I am no longer the old creation. I am new in Christ. Every time I celebrate communion, every time you celebrate communion, it is your chance to experience once again the new that Jesus wants to do in you. Eagerly desire the Passover. Again, can I just ask you a question? How eager are you to celebrate communion every Sunday? We should hunger for it because it's the reminder to us once again of all the new that God wants to do. And then he does what most of you have heard. You know, that's why we go through a meditation. That's why we do this every Sunday. We do this because of what he says next. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup. I'll get to the cups here in a second. There's, there's four of them. And he takes the third cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of of my atonement. This is the cup of my sacrifice that I shed for you to do this in remembrance of me. He set up a new Passover. And here's the secret to it. It's not something you do. It's something you receive. It's something that was 
given for you. When they celebrated Passover, there's so much symbolism and it would take me a long time to walk through every element of it. But they would start with the meal and everybody would meal. There would be activities for kids and family to be involved in. And then they would get to, after they ate the, uh, the lamb and the meal, they, were, they would get to breaking the bread and there would be this big, bread without yeast, and they'd break it in half to show the brokenness of Israel when they were under the bondage of slavery. Just as a reminder, Jesus, when he did that, he broke the bread. He's like, I'm breaking the bondage of sin in your life. I'm choosing to break away all that holds you captive. And then he gives them the bread. And not only does he say, this is the bread. No, he says, this is my body. It's over what an arrogant thing to say if it weren't true. I'm becoming the sacrifice for your sin. I'm the one that's taking on everything you've done wrong, past, present, and future. I'm the one that's breaking myself so that you can be set free from this sin forever. No more sacrificial lambs, no more burnt offerings, none of that stuff anymore. I'm becoming that when I go to the cross here in just a few hours. This is my body given for you. And then he takes a third cup. There was four cups on the table, four cups of wine that they had used ever since the Exodus. They, they represented all that God had continued to do in Israel's life. The first cup was the cup of sanctification. It's when he called Abraham and said, Abraham, you're gonna start a nation and I'm gonna pour my love into that nation. I'm gonna sanctify you. I'm gonna set you apart. I'm gonna choose you to be my nation from now on. So they would drink that cup to say, We're the, we drink this cup in honor of God who has set us apart as his nation. Jesus says, I am now that nation. And then he drinks the second cup, the second cup, the cup of deliverance, reminding them again that I'm drinking this cup just as you did on the night of Exodus when I broke you out of slavery and bondage and you drank that cup before you marched out of town knowing that I was freeing you forever from this bondage of slavery. I drink that cup because I'm your deliverance. In a few hours, I'm going to the cross. And when I die on the cross and shed my blood, it will deliver you. The curtain will be cut. You will no longer be separated from God. I will take you out of this sin of your life and bring you into holiness again. And then he takes the third cup. The third cup is the cup of sacrifice, of atonement. See, it's one thing to pay for something. It's another thing to be blessed with something. It's one thing to be paid for the past. It's another thing to be given blessing and promise for the future. And that cup represented atonement, to wash us free. You ever done something wrong and you carried the dirt of it? He says, I'm not gonna just leave you in the dirt. I'm gonna wash you free. This cup that I bring, I, this is my blood shed for you. This is the promise of the new covenant shed for you. Sanctification, deliverance, atonement. By the way, the fourth cup is the cup of praise. You know what Jesus said? The last cup I'll drink with you in the new kingdom. When I come and bring you home, we're gonna have a banquet. And it's going to be big. And I'm going to pick up that last cup. And we're going to give praise. Your Hosanna will turn into 
Hallelujah. And we will celebrate together in the new kingdom. This is my body. This is my blood. Now here's the thing. Receive it. You know how you know you're a believer? You've surrendered to Jesus to receive his salvation. You know how you know you're forgiven? You constantly, as a reminder, you surrender to Jesus to receive his forgiveness. This reminder was given to you so that you never forget what you have received because Satan wants to tell you otherwise. When I was coming to Christ and growing in my faith, my home minister, Randy Snyder, such a mentor to me, changed my life. I heard him say to other people that had just gotten baptized, listen, every single time you take communion, I mean, communion's for you after you've been baptized, after you surrender your life. Now it makes all the sense in the world. I'm receiving something. He says, every time you take communion, remember your baptism. I thought that was kind of weird. Like, I have to, have to remember my baptism? Okay, why would I need to do that? So I finally approached him. Why do you tell people to remember their baptism every time they take communion? He says, because in those two acts, Baptism, death, burial, and resurrection, and communion, body and blood, both of those require you to surrender. You are receiving. You're receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a physical act to demonstrate that. And in communion, you're reminded and receiving the constant forgiveness of Jesus. So of course, when you receive your communion, Remind Satan, he doesn't have ownership of you because of my baptism. I have been bought and paid for. I am his, not yours. And I will always be protected and cared for, not just because of the body, but because of the promise of the blood that's on my life that gives me new eternity. That third cup of atonement is what you practice every single Sunday. So you prepare and then you come eager and then together, if you have your communion with you, if not, Ron will pass them out. We celebrate. This is why we share this every week. This is why this is so important because it's a reminder that you have received the eternal forgiveness of Jesus. It's what we celebrate this week with Good Friday, the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said it this way right out of the text. This is my body given for you. Receive it from Jesus in remembrance of him. And then the juice, the wine, to not only say we've been forgiven of the past, but still dirty. No, we've been washed clean by the blood of the lamb. We're no longer dirty with sin. We are washed white as snow because of his blood on the cross. This is his blood shed for you. Remember who did it. Remember why he did it. 
receive it every week. And listen, if you're watching online, or if you guys watch online, can I just tell you something? This was done as a body. So of course we want you to celebrate online with us as well. You need to prepare your environment at home if you're going to do this at home. This needs to be a holy moment for you. So do not disturb on the phone, shut off the sound of everything else, put aside all the distractions so you can have this holy moment with Jesus. That's what we do here is create that holy moment for you. And you need that wherever you take this because it's a reminder of the sacrifice that he made for you. And if you were me thinking through this as you read this the very first time many years ago, I thought the story would stop there, but it doesn't. Luke and John carry the story further. There was a point they were trying to make and here's what happens right after that. And, and you know this big thought, this is a whole nother sermon. Jesus says in verse 21, right after he talks about all this, he says, but there is a one at the table. There's the hand of him at the table who's gonna betray me. He's with me right now. Judas, you know this to be the case now because you've read this or know the story. Judas had already sold Jesus out before this happened. He didn't receive the forgiveness. He didn't want to surrender. And he sits at the table and even though he's offered the gift, he didn't take it. Then he says, Jesus says, the son of man will go as it's been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. Then of course, all the rest of them there at the table begin to question themselves like, okay, wait, wait, who is it? Who is it? Who's the one? And then they're looking around trying to figure it out. And since they know it's not them, they didn't betray Jesus. They're not gonna deny Jesus. Well, I'm at least better than one of you. And then they start, well, and I know I'm better than Peter. Oh, and then there's John, you know, he's the son of thunder with James. They aren't there. I'm really the right one. I'm the zealot. I'm the one that's defending Jesus. And they start going around trying to compare who's greater and who's greater. And Jesus says, whoa, do you not remember what I've been teaching you for three years? Don't you get it? Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over people. Everybody does that. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. We get from the people by lording over them. That is not how you're gonna do this. That's not the kingdom. Are you not seeing what I'm about to do? I just offered myself as your sacrifice, as your lamb. So then he says, you're not gonna be like that. Instead, the greatest among you will be like the youngest like a child. And the one who rules, like the one who serves. That was last week's lesson. I came to serve, not to be served. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves the people at the table? Isn't it the one at the table, just like you tonight, but I'm among you as one who serves. That was last week's message. You are those who have stood by me in the trials. And then he says this, this is powerful, he says, and I confer on you my kingdom. Confer, that word means to will to them the kingdom. It's like somebody writing out a last will in the Testament saying, I'm giving to my wife, I'm giving to my kids, I'm giving to my workers, I'm giving to this. I'm willing that to them so that when I'm no longer here, they now have ownership of it. I confer on you the kingdom of God. So you can eat and drink at my table and in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes. 
of Israel. I just want you to see there's one other responsibility when it comes to Passover. We're supposed to prepare. Every Sunday before you come to service, you should be preparing for this holy moment. Every Sunday, I hope you are hungry to be a part of the body of Christ to receive what he's given you. But there's one more duty. It's not enough to just go to Thanksgiving meal and eat it. You need to invite somebody along. You're now the one that's supposed to represent Jesus to everybody else. You've been conferred his kingdom, which means you're the servant and you're the sacrifice. And that's our job now is to do that for the sake of somebody else so they can be a part of the kingdom. Our job is to share this with the next generation so they can carry this on for generation after generation and they can be part of the table of Jesus himself. So, if I may be a little blunt and bold, Jenny Lynn, JP, Jaina, Trinity, all of you young people in this room, we do this so that you can carry this on for us, just like it was done for us by a generation prior. If you're a young person in this room, you are called to carry this on so that the next generation can know what it's about. We were conferred the kingdom of God, Jason. Now we pass it on to you so you can take it to the next. Do you realize that in just a few short hours, Jesus is going to give up his life for the sake of you having the kingdom? He will become the Passover. And he's given you and I the gift of forgiveness forever. And now it's our job to carry it for him. When uh, I did a wedding, the last couple of weddings I've done, including the Sana Sings and a few others, one of the questions I ask people that get married is if they would like to share in communion after they share their vows. Some do, some don't. I get that. It's their wedding. They can choose what they want as part of it. But I'm always blessed to see their first communion after they've been married. Because it's a reminder to me of that first communion that Jesus saw in his followers on the day he gave his life. <laughs> I think back to my first communion every time I see somebody else's. That first communion with my wife when we got married that first communion of my daughter and then my granddaughter when they gave their life to Jesus. First communion of many of you after you've surrendered. And I often think, I wonder what the next first communion will be from them. God has somebody in your life that he has conferred you the kingdom for so that you could pass it on to somebody else. And maybe it's this Easter that they are waiting for you to invite them to the table. Maybe somebody in your life needs an invite for Easter this week so that they can experience the grace of Jesus for themselves.
You've been given the kingdom. Now go share it with somebody. Just as Jesus invited you, you need to invite others to the Passover. Bob Goff is a writer. He's written many great books. I've read a few of them. And he talks about his kids when they were younger were complaining to him during the holiday season that New Year's Day was boring. And I was reading the story, New Year's Day is boring. Okay, if you're a kid, that's what he said. He started pulling his kids and said, what do you mean New Year's Day is boring? He says, well, on New Year's Day, all the adults do is sit around and eat food and watch football. They watch parades on the morning, they watch football in the afternoon, they watch whatever they do, but it's just a boring day. And then guess what? If you're from a kid's perspective, the next day, especially if it's a weekday, you're back to school. So you kind of blew a whole holiday doing nothing. So Bob Goff says, you know what? You're right. We need to do something on New Year's Day to make it less boring. What can we do? And he asked his kids, what do we want to do on New Year's Day to make it less boring? And one of them said, let's go buy a pony. Bob's like, uh, let's not do that. What else? One of them says, let's build a rocket. Uh, no, we'll leave that to Elon Musk. No, let's do something else. One of them says, let's have a parade. Bob says, that's a great idea. Let's do our own parade. Let's get our own costumes. So they made costumes that day. Let's set up some floats that we can pull in our wagons. Let's, do, let's go out and invite all the neighbors to come to our parade. And the kids thought this was a great idea. So they got right to work. Mom started cooking hot dogs and hamburgers so they could have a picnic and got all the preparations for that ready. And the kids prepared their floats and their costumes. And then Bob Goff had an idea. He says, you know what? Parades are fun for people that are in them. They're not always so fun for the people that watch them. So he told the kids one rule. We're going to go tell all the neighbors about this parade, but we're going to invite all the neighbors to be in the parade, not watch it. Sure enough, they go to the doors knocking, and Bob was shocked. They would knock and ask neighbors, hey, we're going to do this parade down the street tomorrow. We want all of you guys to be in the parade with us. And kid after kid said, yeah, that's a great idea. So they're making costumes, and parents are cooking up food. The next day, they had a New Year's Day parade with no watchers. (laughs) Everybody in the neighborhood was in the parade. Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday in a parade. Disciples were right in front of him. Comes in on the foal of a donkey. Everybody in the crowd shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And Jesus didn't respond. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to be a watcher. He wants you in the parade. He calls you with his sacrifice of the Passover to invite you to be a part of his kingdom. Why would we ever turn that down? Join the parade and invite others to join it with you. And let's line the streets of the world with people who are following Jesus. Amen? Amen. Jesus, thank you for this incredible celebration. There's so much more to talk about. It's why we care and do it so much. We know this was not only commissioned by you, but it was enacted by you. You demonstrated and became our Passover. 
So help us take it more seriously to prepare for it, to eagerly desire it, to receive what you've given us and then to turn around and share it, invite others. This is what church is all about. So help us to share it with people who need that same sacrifice. I pray you'll open doorways for us to invite others into the parade this week so that they can too experience not only the Passover, but the hope of resurrection. We thank you for what this week means and pray you'll use it powerfully in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.